Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. President Biden hosted the Summit for Democracy last week. We talked about that uh, to really help countries. Uh, oppose authoritarians around the world. And while holding a a summit of governments is great, that's a good thing, uh, could we promote better government? And could we do that by focusing on community and connection instead? I wanted to get to the bottom of that. We're really pleased to have joining us on the show now, uh, Laura Thornton. Uh, She is the director and senior fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy at the German Marshall Fund. And uh, just some great content coming out. Uh, we, of course, talked about late last week the uh, summit that President uh, Biden held last week and some important conversations that are happening there. And uh, Laura's just done some tremendous writing and research in this space and uh, has really aimed at focusing on some of the things that are kind of some guiding principles that we need to make sure we're including in our conversations around democracy around the world. And she joins us now. Uh, Laura, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So you kind of laid out some things coming out of the summit. We know uh, the the summit for democracy, and uh, you've experienced a lot of these. Sometimes in these summits, uh, after all is said and done, more is said than done. And you were really trying to carve out some core principles that would make sure that we get to some actionable things, some things that will help. We know the president uh, announced they'll have a live summit, in-person summit, next year this time. Uh, What should we be thinking about and looking for uh, as we start marching towards that? That's a good question. I think uh, there's sort of many different sort of ways we can cut the future for the summit. I mean, one is sort of around the organization and format. So one of the things I I feel was less than ideal about this first summit was it was it didn't have a lot of transparency, um, both in how it was designed and the agenda and the participants. And so I think going forward, it would be it would be advisable for the Biden administration to really decentralize and and make the whole um, design of the summit more inclusive. I think for and I've written that, you know, for example, why does it have to be a summit of nations. To me, it's a summit for democracy, and it should sort of revolve around the principle of democracy, and that should include Democrats, lowercase d, including Democrats that that live in non-democratic places. So I think there's a lot that could be opened up in terms of just the format and who's included and who's invited. And then, of course, there's the Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was, I was just going to say, I, uh, I love that that's a, a radical concept that we should do this from the bottom right. up as opposed to the, the, the top down. Uh, but I do really appreciate the, this whole element of transparency uh, on this that is right. one of the things we talk about a lot on this program is uh, that's how you really make sure democracy flourishes is you got to have a good heavy dose of transparency in that. And, uh, and I love, I love yeah. your idea in terms of um, – you know, focusing on some of those people who uh, are committed to democracy and uh, but maybe be not 
maybe not living under it at the moment. That those are important voices right. in this as well. Uh, and then I wanted to jump to uh, one of the principles you laid out in terms of durable communities. Uh, tell mm. us just a little bit about that. I think that's such a crucial point in this uh, whole whole process. Well, I think so much of I mean, and I've spent my years in, in as a democracy practitioner, and I think we can get caught up on you know the supply side. You know, how do we support you know. Or, or processes like how do we support the elections process really important how do we support legislatures how do we build political parties and it's all sort of on the sort of top-down supply side right. but i i think and, and i'm sure you can relate to the fact that you know we've got a demand problem uh we are not just americans but in other parts of the world we're, we're actually choosing autocrats through the ballot box so we are the ones consuming disinformation. We're the ones chasing down rabbit holes of conspiracy theories. So how do we build more resilient publics? You know, how do we build a discerning citizenry that yeah. can tell truth from lies? And and so like focusing a little bit more on that demand side and focusing more locally where we know people form their first interactions with government and their first interaction with democracies with like the local council about, you know, potholes in the street and these basics and local media and the importance of that. I mean, I think you, I don't need to tell you that local media (laughs) in the United States has been decimated and taken over by, you know, big corporations and people have flocked online for less than factual information. And so how can we sort of work from the bottom up? Yeah. Oh, just love that. I think you're my new favorite guest. <laughs> we're going to annoy you with that. So I just want to I just want to dig into a couple of these things that are that were just so important, I think, for our listeners. Again, it's it's this demand issue that we have uh, weakened it with a lot of this uh, autocratic stuff uh, and we're, that we're buying into that or allowing us to do that. And we always talk about the the elections that are going to impact your life the most are the local elections. And it is the place where everybody can get involved and have a voice. Uh, and so I, I love that as uh, as a core principle there. Um, I also wanted to get in just a little bit in terms of uh, kind of on that political side, the rethinking the political representation. Uh, tell me what you've been learning in that space. Well, you know, it's it's mostly out of a sense that perhaps beating myself up a little bit in terms of all the work that I've done overseas to try to build democratic and inclusive political parties. And I'm not saying that's been a failure, but I don't think we've figured out how to have those gatekeepers deliver us uh, representatives that actually represent us. So what I mean by that is that, you know, around the world, the U.S. included, we are the people in that are actually representing us in our legislative bodies and then hence our executives are white or the dominant, whatever the dominant ethnic group is, the dominant religious group, male, older. And we can't seem to break this. And so what I've been really starting to read and listen to people about is, is what can we do to sort of change our these political parties as gatekeepers, but but involve citizens in governing in different ways. And so some countries have experimented with this, you know, sortition, which is, you know, sort of like an evolving, like jury duty. Should, should, should we serve in Congress as sort of a jury duty where all citizens are sort of randomly selected? I mean, obviously that would pose complications at the national level, but some countries have experienced with the, experimented with this at the local level. Can we have more sort of citizen assemblies, uh, more forms of direct democracy? Yeah. Um, I, I just feel like, 
you know, we have and, and the problem with parties is not just the parties themselves, but also the fact that in many parts of the world, young people have zero interest in joining a political party. If they want to be active in politics, they go to civil society or they join an activist organization. And that's great. But they don't hold the legislative power pen and right. they don't hold the, the purse. And so we have to figure out a way to ensure that we're delivering governments that look like us and that rep- represent us. And we are not doing that right now. Yeah, so vital. Such a crucial conversation here. Uh, as, you, as you look back at the summit now that it's ended and kind of projecting into what they hope to do next year, what, what was the, a positive takeaway for you? And what is it something we can build on uh, in terms of where we take this conversation next? I think there were lots of like little points of light. I mean, there were some fantastic speakers, um, and I encourage people to go and listen to some of them, particularly in advance of the summit, particularly from different parts of the world that have innovative ideas to expand sort of democratic growth in their countries. But also the Biden administration did announce some key like new funding proposals to support Democrats. What I would like to see is more engagement between American, um, those working on American democracy and global democracy, because I feel that, you know, the time is ripe for us not to just be the democracy promoters, but the democracy learners. And I think we have a lot to learn from our uh, our partners overseas and that it shouldn't just be a one way uh, proposition. So I would love to see over the next year of action that America, those working on like election reform in the United States could perhaps look, pick their head up and look overseas and see what other people are doing to advance their elections and to build trust in the election process and to get away from partisanship. And how do we tackle disinformation? I think we have a lot to learn from our friends in Finland and Estonia. So I I just hope that over the next year we can have more of that exchange uh, because I think those focusing on American democracy have been sort of in our own little bubble. Like we're so exceptional and we're so different and we have nothing to learn. And, And I think that the events of the last few years here can show us that we actually do have things to learn yeah. <laughs> and our democracy is not perfect either. And we're all in this together. Uh, I absolutely love that. Uh, I, I have been saying of late that I, I fear the greatest threat to democracy is that we're losing our curiosity. Uh, we're either so in our own bubble, absolutely. wherever it is politically, but even as you're suggesting that we need to look around the world and be curious. Why is this working? Why is that not working? How, what can we learn right. from that? That curiosity, I think, is a, a core tenet of uh, of democracy around the world. Uh, Laura Thornton, director and senior fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy. Uh, great insight. Can't wait to have you back on the program. Uh, I hope this is the beginning of many conversations on this. We have a lot to learn. Oh, me too. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. Great conversation there with Laura Thornton again uh, part of the Alliance for Securing Democracy. And uh, I just love this fact that that she ended with, look, there are things we can learn. Uh, Yes, we have a lot of great things going. Yes, we've had a lot of success. Yes, we've been able to lift a lot of people out of poverty and create space for a lot of people to thrive and flourish. And we still have a lot to learn because there's a lot of things that we don't do well and things that we can do better. Uh, And my hope is that as the this marches forward, and obviously this will continue during President Biden's administration. Uh, he has called for an in-person summit uh, this same time next year. And my hope is that they will have some actionable things that have come out of this first virtual event 
that will lead to some very specific things for them to talk about and discuss. Uh, and as Laura so powerfully pointed out, let's not just have all the autocrats uh, show up for this. Let's not just have the people at the top of the food chain showing up for this conversation. Uh, let's do it the way democracy actually is built out, and that is from the bottom up. And uh, we know in our constitutional republic here uh, that if things are coming top down, uh, that is not what the founders had in mind. We're going to go ahead and step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, final thoughts on a Monday here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.